If you want to grab a Bible, I would suggest doing that now. We have Bibles in the front corners and the back corners. We, I'm not quite sure where we're all going today, so um, we might use the ones that are listed on the bulletin, and we might use some different ones. I'm not sure yet, So, but I'll try to let you know when we are going to use something. And I'm going to lead us in the prayer today because I would like to pray. Will you join your hearts with me? Lord Jesus, we recognize that every time we open your word, we are only getting a piece. We are only getting as much as we can digest and handle at any time. And yet the the bounty that you lay before us on your table and your word uh, is full. And there's no way that we will ever eat our way through it. And so as we come now for just one little meal, uh, we recognize that there will, there will be more uh, for us to learn, more for us to remember, more for us to, to receive from you. And we ask that you continue to make us hungry to receive that word, that you continue to make us people who can digest it and use what we learn and read and hear and take in to good purposes and use in our life. So we we pray that as we get rid of things that are getting in the way of us receiving your word, you focus in our minds and our hearts, you focus in our, our souls to what you are saying to us today and recognize that what you say to us might be different than what you say to the person sitting next to us. So Holy Spirit, we open ourselves to receive from you what it is. Uh, You want to teach each and every one of us as individuals, but also us as a community. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I'm not sure if you remember this about me, but I was a history major in college. So the idea of talking about why it's important to remember is uh, very close to my heart because it's why I chose to be a history major in college. And I was reminded this week about that. I was listening to a friend of mine who went and took a two-week course with the historical theologian uh, Mark Knoll at Regent College. And one of the things that this my colleague was saying he just really loves is because Mark would be talking about a situation from church history, uh, say the civil rights movement and the way the church was involved in, in, in America and that movement. And somebody would say, oh, yeah, you know, and that happened because of this, like the very linear understanding of time and all these steps of things that happened. And Mark would say, well, yes, that's true, but we also need to think about this piece over here. We have to look at many perspectives to understand what happened in a situation. Because on our own, our solitary memories of things are not actually all that trustworthy. More and more in the accounts, eyewitnesses are not being proven to be trustworthy. Uh, what are the, what is that thing? Testimony givers. There we go. Uh, in court, right? Uh, we look for other things that are hard evidence and facts. Because when we are left on our own, we can tell all sorts of stories. Have you ever had an experience where you remembered a situation differently than someone else who experienced it with you who's telling the truth who's remembering rightly or there's all sorts of things that lead to someone acting a certain way 
that has nothing to do with the person they're acting that way with. Because they're remembering things or having been shaped by things in their past that lead them to act a certain way that the person who's being whatevered upon doesn't understand. Do they have different memories or different values of that moment? Yes. So how do we understand what it means to remember? And why ought we to remember things? And how do we try to remember things rightly? We're not giving up. We're not giving up. Because we know that remembering who God is, trusting the word of God to be this tool for remembering, this trustworthy tool for remembering, we come to understand what remembering does when we remember rightly. And the goal of remembering rightly, as God has designed it, is so that we remember our past, but not let those things be the identity shapers. We remember so as to be changed. We remember so as to be transformed. We receive, we learn, we study, we reflect, so that we use that information to be different, to be as God would have us be. In fact, for the Israelites in the Old Testament, over and over and over and over again, it's very clear that the chief malady that they were worried about in terms of their spiritual being and health was forgetfulness. Forgetting the work of God to be their Redeemer and Savior. The most often said phrase in scripture is fear not the second most repeated thing in scripture is remember and so god through the holy spirit has us remembering even though we are not trustworthy rememberers and so he gives us the story in the word to help us remember in fact if you look at the Old Testament story and what the the shaping narrative for the Israelites was, it was the Exodus. The fact that God, Yahweh, saved his people from slavery in Egypt. So if you turn to Deuteronomy, that Deuteronomy 15, that's on page 134 of the new, of the, of your green Bibles, the first set of page numbers. We'll see how this remembering function worked for them. So all of the laws... Oh, I should also say this. The fact that there's more to remember than just one piece is seen even in Scripture. We have stories in Deuteronomy and Numbers telling the same period of time story, but with different focuses, using different language different themes, but telling the same history and the same for Kings and Chronicles. It's the same time period, but told in different ways, showing us that there's more to remember than just what we think when we first start to think about it. We'll get to the New Testament in a moment. So Deuteronomy 15, verse 12. 
If a member of your community, whether a Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman, is sold to you and works for you six years, in the seventh year you shall set that person free. And when you send the male slave out from, from, from you, you shall not send him out empty-handed. Provide liberally out of your flock, your threshing floor, and your wine press, thus giving to him some of the bounty with which the Lord your God has blessed you. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. For this reason, I lay this command upon you today. So remember and be commanded. So obey obey this command of God. And what's the picture that's described there? Is that not the picture of what the Israelites experienced as they were leaving Egypt? God providing to them the bounty of the spoils of their exodus. When the Egyptians gave them riches, gave them property to take with them as God delivered them from the hands of the unjust situation they were in. So remember that you were slaves in Egypt so that when you have slaves, you will remember that it was God who delivered you and you will act with more justice and mercy and kindness than you received when you were slaves. Remember that God has delivered you, not for your gain, but so that you can be the blessing that God has always designed his people to be. A blessing to the nations. Miroslav Volf lays out the Exodus and Jesus as these two grand narratives for the people of God the two stories that we hinge our remembering around. And it makes sense. He says that in the Exodus, we learn and are remembering that we are people who have been delivered by God. We are people who have been called to act justly by God. We are people who are called to serve those in need because of what God has done. And we are people who base our hope for the future on God. Not on a fear of going back into slavery, not on a fear of gathering and keeping our wealth for our own security, but on the hope of the future of God's promises that he will keep us secure and he will keep us safe and he will make his will come to be. So when we are people who remember the Exodus, this is what we're remembering. We're not remembering that we are people who suffered and now deserve good things. We are remembering the work of God. But in so many ways, that story is not complete unless you got the story of Jesus. Because Jesus becomes that focal point, the cross and the resurrection, the death and the rising of our Lord and our Savior who has paved the new way for us to our Heavenly Father. He becomes the central remembering story of the people of God. Turn with me to Luke. Chapter 22. This is on page 
66 of the new set of page numbers. So in the New Testament. Beginning at verse 14. This is Jesus. We're referring to Jesus. When the hour came, Jesus took his place at the table and the apostles with him. He said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Remember that the Passover was the meal that the Israelites and Jewish people used to remember the Exodus. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup and after giving thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Then he took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he did the same with the cup after the supper, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. So every time we eat and drink the communion meal together, we are remembering the work of Jesus. And we are remembering that God's grace is not just for a set group of people, but is for the world. And that we are not in control of that grace. And every time we remember the work of Jesus, we remember that God himself in Jesus has shouldered all of the wrongdoing that has happened and will happen on this earth. But not just shouldered it, has condemned it, has sought justice for it, and has given us the grace to not punish us for it. Every time we remember the story of Jesus and allow it to shape us, we are reminded that the work of God's redemption leads us to the work of God's reconciliation. And so we remember Jesus and we are not satisfied to let sins just go by. But being gentle with one another, we seek to bring health and wholeness and healing and restoration to one another and the work of the Holy Spirit. We don't just settle for saying your sins are forgiven. But we seek to do as Jesus would have us do. To love one another. To reconcile with one another. To seek the unity of peace with one another. To grow in maturity in, into Christ who is our head. And if we don't remember these things correctly, we will not grow into that maturity. We'll be happy to rest on the death of Jesus for our forgiveness. But we will, we will not remember what it's like to be refugees. We will not remember that that is our story. We will be people who will be satisfied to sit in the pews 
while hundreds of thousands of people are displaced around the world. We will be people who are comfortable to sit and be glad that our sins are forgiven and won't know what to do with the, the truth and reconciliation report. We will be people who will be glad to know that Jesus loves us, but we will not know what it means to love our neighbors as God loves them. Because it's one thing to know that you're saved, and it's another to work for reconciliation as Jesus does in the world. Miroslav Volk writes that reconciling or remembering rightly is work. That it requires commitment and discipline. So that with the help of of Christ living in us, we can live in a way that resonates what is best in our humanity. By imitating the God who loves the ungodly. Who loves and yet condemns and acts justly. Who does not whitewash the effects of sin in the world, but seeks to heal people from the effects of sin in the world. God does not command us to do as he does in the sense of forgetting the wrongs that have been done to us, but he does command us to forgive one another and to seek the well-being of our neighbor. It takes a community to be able to do this. Because it is hard work, and it is not work that we can trust ourselves to do. When we are fragile human beings who have hearts that can be easily broken, it takes the work of a community of love surrounding one another as the Holy Spirit surrounds us to do this work. And it takes people who want to be hungry as disciples to know the full story of God, to not rely on just my story, my experience, my understanding of the world, to be satisfied. I was reading this week about a student who had done this paper for his Old Testament prof, and it was a very good exegetical paper. He got all the notes right about different translations and, and points on grammar and yada yada, and he was not satisfied with his grade. And so he went to his professor and he said, what can I have done to get a better grade on this paper? And his professor said to him, be a deeper person. Be about more than just the minimum. But know the story of God deep in your bones. Recognize that the story of someone else is also your story because you have been united in Christ with one another. That the sins committed by a community are also the sins that you have committed because you were a member of that community, even if you did not raise your hand in action. And that God's grace is for everyone. We'll close with this remembering task from Eugene Peterson. And Eugene is 
sadly reflecting on the way in which we uh, tend to rush into our decisions and our judgments and our evaluations about a situation, and we tend to rely solely on ourselves to do that work. He says that is exactly the kind of stuff that too many Christians accept as the final truth about many much more important matters, matters such as answered prayer, God's judgment, Christ's forgiveness, and eternal salvation. We can make these snap judgments because God hasn't given us the answer we want to our prayer about God without remembering the whole story. The only person that most of us consult is ourselves. And the only experience we evaluate is the one most recent to us. Like in the last 10 minutes, he writes. But a Christian who has David in his bones, Jeremiah in his bloodstream, Paul in his fingertips, Christ in his heart, will know how much and how little value to put on his own momentary feelings and experiences of the week. To remain willfully ignorant of Abraham wandering in the desert, the Hebrews enslaved in Egypt and David battling the Philistines, Jesus arguing with the Pharisees and Paul writing to the Corinthians is like saying, I refuse to remember that when I kicked that black dog last week, he bit me in the leg. And if I don't remember it, the next time I'm in a fit of anger, I'm going to go kick that dog again and it's going to bite me again. This is what happens when we base our spiritual life, our relationship with God solely on what we experience in ourselves. And we don't look to build a deeper reservoir to put down roots. And we don't look for that deeper water line that will feed us and keep us rooted in the truth. This is what happens when we don't wonder about what God is doing. When we're unwilling to accept the idea that we might remember something wrong. Or that we might not have had the whole story. When we choose to keep our minds on things that are on this earth rather than seeking the things that are above, for we have died and our life is hidden with Christ in God. Disciples of Jesus are willing to remember that even if the world looks different, the story of God is still the truthful one. And that even though They may not feel God's presence with them. Faith is the thing that reminds us that the Holy Spirit is still in our hearts. So may we remember rightly and seek to know all that there is to know about God, both in his word and in this world. Amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that the fact that your word shows us the gospels, no less, that there is more to remember than just a linear set of events, but that there is deep meaning to return to lessons and stories and pictures and historical events. There's deep meaning for us to plumb the depths of with you. 
So Holy Spirit, we pray that as we become people who seek to remember more often in an instant world, to take that time and to practice that discipline of focusing and centering our hearts and our eyes and our souls upon you, that you will open up a whole new realm that is beautiful and lovely to us. That we will see a richness to our lives that we will not be able to experience on our own. And that through this experience of opening ourselves to your story and your truth, we will be freed from the things and the identities that we have shackled ourselves in. Through our sins, through our past, and through whatever else that we have put up as the barrier to receiving from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.